Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 423. So what is it like to go on a cruise right now? We've we've had a few months of cruise ships returning, so what is it actually like to go back on a cruise, and what should you know? We're going to talk all about that. Here we go. It doesn't seem that long ago that we were so excited for just one ship to be restarting from North America. I remember an adventure of the seas in June, and now fast forward, we're almost through September, almost on the heels of October here, and, you know, a lot of ships are back. In fact, more than half the fleet is back in service, and that leads me still to a lot of people who are asking, you know, basic questions about what's it like to go on a cruise. Certainly, there have been a number of folks who have been able to get back on a ship. Again, as I mentioned, a lot of ships are back in service, and I think a lot of cruise enthusiasts, people that really, truly love cruising are the ones that have been going on these sailings. But there's still, I think, a lot of people who are sitting on the sidelines for a variety of reasons, whether it is the requirements, the protocols, general concern, an uneasiness about everything, who knows. But there's still a lot of people who are just curious what it is like. And, you know, with cruise ships back again, and now that we've been back for a little while, I thought it might be a good opportunity to talk about what it's truly like going on a cruise right now, because this is a question that Honestly, I get, they don't ask me that question directly, what's it like to go on a cruise, but I, I get questions that are totally related to that idea. And I've been, for the record, by the way, I've been on about seven cruises since the restart. And, uh, you know, certainly there, I, I think we've gone through two phases so far, the initial restart, and now we're in this Delta variant restart where things maybe haven't progressed uh, as, as expeditiously as I think Royal Caribbean might have wanted. What I mean by that is that I think we would have had seen a faster restart plan, perhaps, or or at least more people on board the ship had there not been the Delta variant. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. It's just, I think, a, a fact, or at least my observation anyway. So th that that's where we are right now. But cruise ships are going. They're sailing. Are there COVID cases on board? There can be. Yeah, I mean, it's not unusual to have, you know, one or two. The good news, and this is the most important thing, the protocols work. You know, when you, I'm sure everybody always thinks about what happened before uh, the cruise industry shut down in early 2020 and these just, you know, uh, crazy amount of cases on board a, sh a particular ship. But while there have been COVID cases on board a ship, they've been limited. I've been on at least one ship. I think I've been on maybe more than that, that have had positive COVID cases on board. And I remember the first time it was actually back in June on the second adventure of the sea sailing back. And the captain mentioned that there was a COVID case on board. And, you know, at first you're like, oh, gosh. But the lesson that I learned very early on from that was, number one, the cruise goes on. It's not like everybody gets put into lockdown and it's, you know, this awful experience. Uh, and number two, the protocols work really well in containing it. And now I think the something that at least gives me a lot of peace of mind is you got to remember, all the crew members are fully vaccinated. All the adults now are fully vaccinated. The only people that are unvaccinated are the kids. But all the kids get a pre-COVID test before the cruise and then get a COVID test at the terminal. Whereas everybody else, including myself, we have to do a pre-COVID test as well. I don't know anywhere else that does anything remotely like that, where you have that level of peace of mind. That's what it is. I'm not here to tell you whether or not, you know, a lot of testing is a good or bad idea. I'm not an epidemiologist. I can't tell you what that means. But I can tell you from a guest, from a consumer standpoint, it gives me peace of mind that when I go on the ship, that there is nowhere else that I can think of, truly, that has that level of layers of protocol and that makes me feel better, whether or not it is theater or, you know, there's, it really does help. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that. I don't know the answer to that, but it does make me, it helps me sleep at night, quite frankly. So I, I like that and I welcome it. And I think for an industry that has a major black eye from COVID in back in early 2020, 
and still retains it to some degree, I think this is actually a really good idea. So it's not only marketing, it's not only logistical, but it's also, I think, also somewhat science-based as well. So that, that's important. So that alone is that. But let's talk about some of the other stuff here that I think a lot of people are wondering about a cruise. And that, you know, I think the biggest issue right now, the biggest stumbling block people have is getting that negative COVID test before the cruise. And Royal Caribbean has changed the rules a little bit. And honestly, when you're listening to this podcast, make sure you don't go off just on this podcast to the rules. It could have changed by the time you listened to it and I recorded it. But nonetheless, uh, if you're up to two days before your cruise, you need to get a COVID test for all vaccinated adults. And then it's up to three days before the cruise for children. And this is calendar days. Royal Caribbean does not do the, the hours thing. So it's not about 24 hours or 72 hours. That doesn't matter. It's just calendar days. If your cruise leaves on a Sunday, then as an adult, you need to get your COVID test either on Saturday or Friday before. Kids would be Saturday, Friday, or Thursday before. It doesn't matter if it's at 8 a.m. or 3 p.m. That is completely irrelevant. So don't worry too much about that. My best advice when it comes to getting the test right now, if you're a vaccinated adult or just somebody who's vaccinated, Get the at-home test. You can get through emed.com. Royal Caribbean sells them as well. Get the at-home test. The reason why I'm such a big fan of the at-home test, it is so convenient and it's so easy to do. And with a lot of other traditional testing sites being very much inundated with other people trying to get their tests in, like if you try to go to a, a pharmacy to get a test result, you might find a very difficult experience trying to get an appointment. The home tests just make it so much easier. I've done it a, a number of times. It's very easy to do. It is not complicated. And moreover, even if you were to go to a pharmacy, you end up doing the same exact thing because they make you do the test in front of them. So there's very little difference. It's not complicated. It's not like you can really screw it up. All you're really doing is there's a proctor on the video with you. They tell you exactly what to do. You stick a Q-tip up your nose, swab a couple times, other nose, nostril, put it in a card, twist. It, it's so easy. Truly, it's it's it could. I was concerned it was going to be an ordeal and there would be a high chance of me screwing it up. I really don't think so. I mean, I'm sure someone could screw it up, but I, I think the chances are pretty low. And for the for the convenience of it, it's the way to do it. If you got kids that are under 12 years old who are unvaccinated, you can't not do the home test with them. And for them, I would recommend getting to. I, I, there's a lot of places you can go to. The first place I look at is CVS. CVS allows you to make appointments up to two weeks in advance. Having an appointment is peace of mind. There's a lot of places that where you live where I'm sure you can go to to get uh, to, to walk in. No appointment, but you may wait in a line. I personally don't like that. Some people may not care. And quite frankly, you may end up finding it's not a big deal. I remember my wife took my daughter. She had a cough. We knew it wasn't COVID, but just to be safe, you know, we wanted to go somewhere. And day of, I mean, you can't get an appointment at a pharmacy. So she went to one of those, you know, state issued, or I think it was state or federally issued uh, testing sites. And there, you know, if you go in the middle of the day, most people are working. It's not too bad at all. So, you know, there are other options. But CVS to me is the easiest, followed by Walgreens. CVS allows you to make an appointment up to two weeks in advance. Walgreens, 48 hours. With CVS, the key is just make your appointment two weeks in advance. So if you know, okay, well, uh, my cruise is coming up. I need to make an appointment for my kids or for yourself, whatever the case may be. And you want to make it on that Friday before the cruise. Cool. Two, count two weeks back from that Friday. It's two weeks before then. And make an appointment that morning, uh, exactly two weeks beforehand. You should be able to find something. Again, depends on where you live, of course. If you live in a metro area, you'll have a lot more choices. If you live out in a more rural area or maybe a suburban area or maybe CVS is not very prevalent where you live, that's another issue that, you know, obviously you'll have to find another pharmacy that does that. But figure out where that window begins to make appointments and book it then. Now, to our friends that live outside the United States, and I know there are many of you guys, you know, unfortunately, I can't go over every single country's protocols in terms of where to get a COVID test. If all else fails, you can always get one at the airports. They do cost money. It's not free. The nice thing about CVS, by the way, is that they're free. Uh, but if you're doing the test, you know, and if you're flying into the country or you're flying in general and you're looking for a testing site, 
at the end of the day, your worst case scenario would be the airport. It's not going to be cheap, but it will be an option for you. And there's no appointments required and you you're already there. So there's that. Certainly you could also, if you're coming in at least a day ahead of time, find, you know, go to CVS and book an appointment there. If they allow you, I'm not sure if they do for, if you're foreign, um, but you know, you're going to have to do some more footwork on there, but the key, here's the bottom line, no matter where you're from, the key to getting these tests done is to pre-plan. Do not try the, the people who complain they can't get a test are the people that try to do it like, oh, I want to get a test tomorrow or like two days from now. Like, no, two weeks. That's got to be the new, the new mantra you've got about planning your cruises. Get that done. Make the appointment. You'll have no problems. In terms of the uh, check-in arrival times, you know, it's pretty simple. When you arrive to the terminal, among other things, you're going to need, most importantly, your passport, your vaccination card, and your negative test result. And can you arrive at the cruise terminal before your check-in time? The answer is no. This is still the biggest mistake people are making is showing up early to the cruise terminal. They get a check-in time and it's one o'clock, whatever, two o'clock, I don't know. And they say, you know what? We're going to show up early. You never know. You know, back in the day, you could get in early and back in the day, you could get in early, but now you cannot. Not only will they not let you in, you're going to have to stand outside in the heat and the humidity if you're in Florida. And number two, you're, 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 clogging up the joint, quite frankly. There's a lot of other people that are there. Trust me when I say, wait for your time. Uh, at the most, it would arrive about 15 minutes before your check-in time. That doesn't seem to be a problem. But if don't waste your time coming in a half an hour, an hour or more before your check-in time, it's just, it's, it's not going to be practical for you. There is an exception, by the way, if you're a sweet guest. In in some instances, the, the concierge will let you know before the cruise, about a couple days before the cruise, in their welcome email that you could show up maybe an hour beforehand. But other than that, don't do it. So, yeah. But of course, the other big, big question people want to know is, do you have to wear a mask on the cruise? And I, I think this actually is probably the most commonly asked question, right? Do you have to wear a mask everywhere on the ship? And the answer is yes, you do have to wear a mask while indoors in certain situations, even if you are fully vaccinated. But trust me when I say it is not as bad as it may sound. And I feel like, listen, everyone's experience is different. I truly understand that. But I really feel there are two groups of two camps of people uh, in, in this. There are the people that have gone on a cruise with and, and gone through this and experienced the mask. And there's a lot of other people who haven't and, but don't like the idea. And, and certainly they, they have a negative outlook on it. So yeah, you got to wear your mask, but truly it is not as bad as it sounds. The wearing of mask applies to all guests, except for guests under the age of two. Um, but you don't have to wear your mask in open air areas of the ship, like outside, anywhere outside, you don't have to wear your mask. You don't have to wear your mask in the pool or any vicinity where it may become wet. You don't have to wear your mask in designated vaccinated guest only areas like bars, lounges, certain restaurants and certain shows. And you don't have to wear your, your mask in your stateroom. So when are you wearing your mask basically? Well, you're basically wearing them when you're in public areas, when you're walking from point A to point B. So you leave your stateroom, put your mask on, you walk in, you go in the elevator, you go down to whatever deck, and then you're in the bar for, for trivia. Take the mask off because you're either one or two things are about to happen. Either you're in a vaccinated area or you're having a drink or something, and then you can take your mask off there. You know, you're going, you you go from your cabin outside. So as you get outside, you can take your mask off. It's really just going from point A to point B. Certainly, I think the one experience that has changed or is more impacted by having to wear a mask is when you are, uh, you know, if you're just kind of like exploring the ship, like on day one. One of my favorite things to do on a cruise ship on the first day is walk around, get a sense of where everything is, especially if it's a ship you haven't been on before. And yeah, that's a lot of walking around indoors, and that's going to require you to wear your mask. I would say this, number one, uh, when you're wearing a mask in air conditioning is very easy or certainly a lot easier than wearing it outside, which is not required. So keep that in mind. And number two, you know, consider the type of mask that you are wearing. 
Um, you know, there's many kinds that are out there. Certainly some of the, like the N95s, which I wear in my everyday life, those are very hard to breathe through because they do a much better job of filtering than some of these standard, you know, the, I don't know, the surgical masks, the, those blue ones that everybody has, the disposable ones. Those are a lot easier to breathe in. And since everybody is vaccinated except for the kids and test, the kids are tested, I feel more comfortable wearing the, the, the disposable mask. I mean, my N95 is disposable as well, but you know what I mean? Those blue masks and it's a lot easier to breathe and you got air conditioning on top of it. It's really not that bad. So that's my experience. I understand some people would just on principle, don't like it. Listen, I don't like it either. I, don't, I prefer not to have to wear it if I could, but it's just the way it is, quite frankly. So uh, something else that you should be aware of is the capacity. That's a big question as well. What's the capacity like? And people always ask me, I'm going on blank of the seas and next month, next week, next year, what will the capacity be? Nobody knows the answer to the question, unfortunately. Royal Caribbean has not divulged in advance any kind of percentages or numbers you can expect. There is no way to know unless... You ask someone like the concierge or the casino host, sometimes they will look it up in the system for you and let you know what it is, but it is not a pattern. It is not a set percentage. We just don't know. Royal Caribbean is not letting us know that information. And the, so the important thing to know is there's limited capacity to what extent no one really knows. Uh, once you get on the ship, you can certainly get on to guest services or talk to you know a lot of other people like I just mentioned, the uh, number of folks. A lot of crew members may know the answer because that kind of information gets passed around to them regardless, but in advance, it's almost impossible to know. But for right now, it's going to be less than full for the time being, but we don't know how long that will go. My gut tells me that I think at the very least we'll have limited capacity through 2021. Um, I think, you know, some point next year, a lot of it I think has to do with two things. The, the, where the Delta variant is like how many cases there are and where the CDC feels like in terms of their comfort level, those two things are kind of X factors that are hard to, to account for. But I think those two things are also what is going to dictate, in a lot of cases, what to expect in terms of uh, capacity and also protocols on board. So, And um, the other big question is, how much different is disembarkation? I think disembarkation is a lot more the same than anything else. The biggest change is that you don't wait around in common areas anymore. You have to wait in your stateroom, which I actually like a lot better. I think it's way better to wait in your stateroom rather than you know, being for you used to be forced out of your room and then we'd be sitting around in like a bar or a lounge or a theater and we'd be sitting down, but it's not the same. It's much easier in the room. <laughs> number one, you can lay down. Uh, number two, you can close your eyes. You can sleep in longer basically. And it's just more convenient. And then once the, you look on your television and you see the, the luggage tags have been called, then at that point you can leave and disembark the ship, which is fine. So, um, I actually, other than that, everything else is pretty much the same. The nice thing about the, the, you can still take your own luggage off. And again, the nice thing about the limited capacity is you can, when you walk off the ship, there's no lines. I mean, there's just no lines at all anywhere walking off the ship, anywhere in general. But for the disembarkation process, it's not like before. I remember, you know, if I wanted to be early off the ship, I'd get in this line that would wrap around the promenade a couple of times, you know, and try to get off the ship there. But that has not been an issue at all. So uh, pretty much the disembarkation process is nearly identical to what it was like before. And quite frankly, most of the experience is what it was like before. Again, minus the fact the the pre-cruise testing stuff, the vaccine requirement, naturally, and the masks. But in the pub, you know, up on the pool deck, um, in the restaurants, it's honestly, I'm not sure you would really know much of a difference other than, of course, the masks and, and things like that. So, you know, I, I think it's it's more normal than it, than you might have thought. Uh, and it's and certainly not as restrictive as it may sound. And a lot of people you know, read these protocols and things. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to go on a cruise like this. 
Well, you're only focusing on the protocols. You're not focusing on everything else. It's kind of like looking at driving rules and saying, boy, you got to do all these things to get your license. Why would anyone want to drive a car? Why not? You know, it just seems like a, seems like a burden to do that. Why would I want to go and have to, you know, go to the DMV and get my license and then I have to follow these traffic lights. Where's the fun in that? You know, well, there is fun in it because you know, it's like a one-time thing to get your license and you know, every once in a while you go to the DMV, but otherwise you're enjoying driving and the rules are in there to keep everybody safe. And at the end of the day, it is fun to drive cars, right? I don't know if that metaphor really holds up. Maybe some of you are rolling your eyes at that. I don't know. But to me, you know, at the moment right now, it sounds like a, a fair metaphor to say. So I'd say don't get too wrapped up in the protocols. It is a lot of fun. And a lot of people who come back, and I'm basing this on comments I see on the Royal Caribbean blog message boards, as well as other comments I've, I've heard, people say they love it. It's great. It's actually, I, and I've said this before in the podcast, now is the best time to go on a cruise because of the limited capacity. It's like having the ship to yourself, which I absolutely love. So if you're quite, if you're asking what is a cruise like right now, the answer is still a lot of fun. Well, it's time to answer some emails. This is the part of the episode where I dig into the Royal Caribbean blog email inbox and answer questions you've sent me. If you want to send me your email, you can do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week is from my very good friend, Jose Pena. It's good morning, Matt. As a top-tier insider, I have a question. Does Royal Caribbean still post their weekly going-going-gone sales as a thing of the past? So thank you, Jose, for the email. So the Going Going Gone sale was a weekly sale of last-minute deals that Royal Caribbean would have offered. Uh, they used to do this before the pandemic, and every week, I forget, was it Tuesday they would come out? It was just this PDF document, mostly travel agents got this. And they have a list of cruise fares coming up for the next, you know, six to eight weeks or something like that. And sometimes they were really good deals, sometimes they were just like, whatever. But it was good if you were looking for a last-minute deal. And Jose, unless they might have changed the URL, but I did find the last document they had the last one they have from the old url from the going going on sale is from march 17th 2020 so uh yeah unfortunately it is as far as i know it has not come back now granted the only way i know how to check it jose was there's one url that you go to and every week it would just refresh itself it could still be there i am not certain but the way that i looked it up i couldn't find it there so Jose, I hope that answers your question there thank you for the email next email is from alan uh, agor from paul's bow Washington. Hey, Matt, after five canceled cruises, we're now counting down to our Mariner of the Seas four-nighter in January. Fingers crossed that it works out with my work schedule. After your second to last time on Mariner, based on the time of the email, you decided to set up a group cruise, a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, shameless plug. What is it about Mariner that you love so much to make this quick decision? I've done lots of research as any other Royal Caribbean blog insider, suck a shameless plug, would do, but interested in your thoughts to, to be even more excited about it. Good question. What do I like about Mariner? Well, I think really... Alan, it's a Voyager class ship, and I love the amplification that was done to the ship. You know, you've probably heard me, Alan, talk about my favorite ships in the fleet, and Mariner isn't making my top three, but it's still a really good ship because of the crew on board, because of the amplifications it's done, and the itinerary. So, there, for me, when I picked the Royal, but we have Royal Caribbean Blog group cruises, by the way, they're back again. Yeah, we're doing them again in 2022. We also have one for 2021, if you're still interested in joining us on Thanksgiving. But... For 2022, I brought them back. And these are these are Royal Caribbean cruises, regular sailings in which I invite all of you to come sail with me. And more information about that at royalcaribbeanblog.com slash sport, uh, slash events. Sorry, that's the wrong shameless plug. Royalcaribbeanblog.com slash events. Uh, if you go to royalcaribbeanblog slash support, you can become an insider just like Alan. Thank you, Alan, for the shameless plug. Um, and, and the reason why I picked it was, I, the, I for personally, the reason I picked that sailing you're referring to in July 2022 is because number one, it, the itinerary, uh, and number two was the ship. Um, sometimes I go back and forth on that, but for this one, you know, you don't have to twist. I've been on Mariner 
do- literally a dozen times, not more, and I loved it. It's a fun ship to go on, so that was kind of it. Out the second, we have three kids, ages 11, 9, and 6. My parents are joining us and splurging for an over-the-water cabana at Cocoa Beach Club. Originally, I was going to do the Thrill Water Park for the kids, but with this and my kids' love of playing in the beach in the water, I was thinking of just the beach club and maybe the splash pad on the way. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, you know your kids better than I do. My kids, we've done both. My kids, who are about the same age, I have my kids that are 10 and 6, We've done the water park cabana, and we've done the over-the-water cabana. They did not... They didn't love the over-the-water cabana because they are not the chill out and relax. Now, they did enjoy... They ended up enjoying their time there, Alan, because they went to the beach and at the Cocoa Beach Club, and they just played with hermit crabs. Like, they didn't enjoy the actual, like... Like, you say your kids enjoy playing in the beach in the water. Okay. Then it sounds like your kids will have more fun. My kids did not. They were constantly like, why aren't we in the water park? The water park's right there. Why aren't we going to the water park? It's like, because we're here. We're relaxing. <laughs> They're just lost on them. So, uh, number one, I would not recommend doing the water park and the beach club. It's not practical. You're just going to end up missing out on one or, you know, one of them. Um, and uh, number two, if you, your kids like chilling out, relaxing, and or splashing in the water, you know, that it's a great idea. But... Um, it's kind of hard to, you know, for the kids not to pay attention to the man behind the curtain. So <laughs> the, the water park, as it were. Uh, Alice, lastly, can I get a special sandwich and or crispy chicken sandwich delivered to the Cocoa Beach Club? My family loves Chick-fil-A, so we're excited to try it. Thanks for all you do. You and the rest of the community you've built uh, made this time without cruises so much better. Hope to make it someday on a group cruise. Thank you, Alan. So the, uh, cha- the sandwich that Alan is talking about is from the Snack Shack. Could you request it? Absolutely. I think we've done that before, Alan. The food is really good at the Cocoa Beach Club, though. I think you might be remiss in um, doing that. First of all, the, if you wanted to get yourself, you could. You can certainly ask your attendant. I think we've gotten it before. I think at one point in the late afternoon, we're like, can we just get like some Snack Shack sandwiches? And they just call over and they can get delivered there. Um, but the, there is one that's very... In fact... If you're on the over-the-water cabanas in the low numbers, the ones that are closer to Chill Island, you can actually see the Snack Shack from where you are, and you probably smell it, too. Um, so it's really not that far away, but the answer is probably. I think we have done that at least once. But the food is so good at the Cocoa Beach Club, Alan, that while I love the crispy chicken sandwich from the Snack Shack, if I'm at the Beach Club, I'm all about the food in the Beach Club because it is really good. I'm such a fan of it. So I would say you might want to... I know it almost sounds sacrilegious, but I, you might want to hold back on that. So, All right. Time for another email, and that is from uh, Stephen Levin, who writes, Hey, Matt. Love your blog and podcast. Long-time listener. We're Diamond Plus. We're booked on Odyssey of the Seas. First cruise since COVID. Uh, we're going October 17th. Only concern is how close are the tables to the main dining room and other restaurants? Really don't want to be on top uh, another, like, prior to COVID. Could we request the major D comfortable distance, say, 10 feet away? Thanks for your reply. Steve, great email. Uh, the answer is yes, uh, you you could. I think there's sufficient distancing. I don't think you're going to feel like you're on top of each other. But certainly, in the, if you felt like, you know what, I'd prefer to be a little further away, go down to the uh, number one. I would say go to the, for the specialty restaurants, it's a lot easier because they can serve and seat you wherever. Um, I, and I feel like with limited capacity, Steve, that shouldn't be a problem. Certainly the dining room, it won't be a problem because there's half the dining room not even being used anyway because of limited capacity. So I would say ask for it. I certainly did not feel that you're on top of each other. I mean, you don't have 20 feet between the tables, but there's more than an arm's length away. Is it standard six or five feet or whatever it is? I, I don't know about that. But I did feel that in all the dining room tables I've sat at, we were never close enough to really be like up in up and against each other. I will say for breakfast in the main dining room, I did feel that way. We there was in fact when I was on 
it was, yeah, it was on Odyssey. They, they sat me, I was at my own table, but the next table was literally, I could have like rubbed the shoulder of the person next to me, which would have been super awkward and weird. I would have kicked off the ship for that, but like, it was really close. And that's, I almost thought about that saying something, but you know, again, I, I just said, well, we're all vaccinated and this is, an, it was an adult and you know, all the things I said earlier. Right. So, um, but you should absolutely speak up if you don't feel comfortable with uh -huh. Steven. So I would say, yeah, go for it, man. Uh, thank you for the email, Steve. Next email is from David Barnes, who wants to know, Hey, Matt, as a fountain of all knowledge Royal Caribbean, and sometimes knowing more than Royal Caribbean themselves, I have a question for you. I know Royal Caribbean requires masks to be worn inside unless eating or drinking, which I'm fine with, but how do photos work? Will all my formal life photos feature my favorite dress mask, or are guests permitted to doff their masks while the photos are being taken and then put them back on? I saw a B-roll of a group of ladies, photos taken, and it made me wonder. Happy sailing. See you on board. Uh, David, thanks for the email. You can absolutely take your mask off for the photos. I've done that before and no one said anything to me about it. I don't know if that's a written policy somewhere, David, but I can tell you that almost everybody does that anyway. So no, you don't have to have uh, photos taken on Form 1 Light with a mask on uh, unless you wanted to, I suppose. But you can absolutely take it off and then put it back on when you're um, when you're done. Obviously, don't, I mean, you're not even, the closest person is the photographer and the photographer is easily a number of feet back. So um, yeah, I, I have, in my observations, I have not seen that be a problem. Next email is from Hope, who writes, Good evening, Matt. On Allure of the Seas, when you book a Grand Suite, are you able to get on the ship ahead of time? And what is the point value for that as well? Also, I want to say thank you. You got me through the pandemic. Hope, thanks so much for the email. appreciate that. On In a Grand Suite, um, I've, I've had mixed results with this, Hope. On Odyssey, this did not happen, but I remember on Adventure of the Seas, it did. Anyway, long story short, the, uh, the concierge will email you, Hope, about five or seven days before the cruise and give you the usual welcome email in that time they may give you a more flexible option to check in depends on the terminal and a couple other factors but you may be able to get in a little bit ahead of time it depends also what time you check in for but uh they'll let you know in the email if that is an option for you and what is the point value well hope if you booked your your cruise i think you did under the double points program assuming there's more than one person in the suite with you you would actually get four points per night for that suite because usually it'd be two points per night with no points equals four so there you go if you were staying by yourself in a suite you'd actually get six points per night so hopefully that answers your question there and our last email today coming to us from Charlie. Right time at my girlfriend and I have future cruise credits for sailings until September 2022. We applied both of our FCCs at checkout to cover the $500 deposit needed to reserve the cruise. Just wanted to know if the $500 automatically gets charged to whatever card we use when we book the cruise. If it does, are we going to have to wait a bit to later to book the cruise? Charlie, thanks for the email. So you have FCCs and future cruise credits. And here's what I would tell you. Number one, Charlie, do not book the cruise by yourself. Use a travel agent. Maybe you heard me talk about this, Charlie. You know what? I, I'm, I'm telling you this right now. Give MEI Travel a call or fill out, their, fill out the form on rollcreamblog.com. Let them contact you. FCCs are just this. It's a problem you don't have to deal with, Charlie. I'm telling you this right now. As someone who has had FCC, a lot of FCCs, I am now FCC. Actually, I don't know if I'm FCC free. I think I had one canceled cruise. I'm not sure if I use them yet. But I'm pretty much FCC free at this point. And I'm here to tell you, have your travel agent take care of it. What should happen if your FCC is issued to you, then when you place the deposit, the if you have, again, the, the, the deposit, if you have enough FCC to cover the deposit, then that's it. No, no money out the door for you. You're, you cover the deposit and no more money is required until your final payment date. Uh -huh. Now, if you have, if, if you have a thousand dollars in FCC and the deposit is $500, then you'll get the remainder balance still offered available to you. But I would tell you that, uh, yes, it does get charged automatically just like a credit card would, but, um, 
you know, obviously, if you don't have the FCC yet and you're waiting for it, well, then you could book the cruise with cash and then apply the FCC afterwards or, you know, but here's what I'm telling you, dude. He's a travel agent. It is so much easier to manage this because it is a little bit of a game and it can get kind of confusing, but you can absolutely use your FCC for a deposit and it should apply immediately. And if you have enough for the, to cover the whole deposit, then you're good to go. So. Charlie, thank you for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. If you have your own question you want me to answer about Royal Caribbean, you can always send it to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.